0: 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step to 53342. New York, call the 24-7 HOPE line at 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text hope ny Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
1: Welcome to another episode of Crypto Bros. I'm your host, Jason Madison, alongside my co hosts, Mike Risset, Mike McGoy, and Chris Epps. What up, fellas? GM. What's up? What's up? What's up? Well, We're back again. Um, champions. A lot of new champions. champions. <laughs> a lot of Live news as uh, usual in the crypto and financial worlds. Uh, stock markets down today, A uh, considerable amount. Um, are we going to World War III, fellas?
2: I just saw that yeah. meme today
3: for the first time. So
2: yeah, I, I, I'm late to it. I guess we are. You're late, you're late to the World War
3: III. Why, why my guy, my
1: guy from Russia. Yeah, Putin is. Uh, well, he so, just yeah, called, he, he, out. Told, he
3: told niggas like you know what I'm saying I you know what it is.
1: <laughs> Didn't he
2: just pussy out though?
1: Uh, that's like, kind of what they're saying, but it's like also he's kind of one of those It's like
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Yeah, you
2: pull him off the block, pull him back into the the middle of the circle, and then when they go on the block, think the block is clear. Exactly. Come back and clear the block.
1: I'm on yeah. the
3: blockchain. I don't give a fuck about none of that. I'm on yeah,
1: the we're on a different
2: chain.
3: block.
1: Well. I mean, I think one of the main reasons or two of the main reasons why it's interesting in crypto since obviously for the world markets being one, but, you know, there's this narrative that people are starting about. Well, for one, Russia is cool with Bitcoin, right? And Putin has said recently, like, you know, they might start mining there. There, It might be legal tender. And the narrative is that you know, Joe Biden has no stance on it or isn't pro-Bitcoin at the moment and that they will use their pro-Bitcoin stance to somehow um, take over, you know, U.S. supremacy in the long run or something to that effect, Um,
3: you know.
4: (laughs) i don't know i feel like i feel like mike has only
3: uh, i mean that's very i'm well that wasn't very eloquently put i don't know if there was an eloquent way to put it Um, i don't think so okay i don't think so either but how many the percentage of u.s adoption in cryptocurrency like is what chris very low (laughs) Uh,
2: potential adoption overall still in the countries yeah. that is, you know, the biggest in, in Nigeria, like Nigeria is the only country. If Nigeria was a first world country or had a huge army or had the same kind of, that's the only country I would worry about. No one else is really using crypto like that. Wow. Russia yeah. and North Korea and China are China is kind of weird about India. All these countries always are, they, a lot of the people use them, but the only place that's really into it is uh, El Salvador and that shit obviously hasn't really made a good uh, bump up for us or like it looks bad for other countries right now because they' because we're down or he's down but KLA is down. I, I don't I don't know if it would really that's the general message of Bitcoin like if you know if America doesn't get in or if no one participates, then they're gonna be fucked up in like you know 100 years or whatever. That's the whole the idea of it. Right. Uh, I think it's just leverage. It's
3: yeah, there's a narrative of push. Like your Bitcoin maximalism isn't like much leverage to take over the United States. That's in my head. That's all I'm saying.
1: Right. Well, yeah. I think I think maybe, you know, it's it starts with Bitcoin. And okay. the idea is that that, you know, the cryptocurrency market as a whole, yeah. is, if it's more accepted by a country, like Russia that they will or China or China, right. Those two countries in particular that they will, um, you know, I mean, obviously we're already in trillions and trillions of debt to China. Um, So, you know, it comes down to the, the defense at the end of the day. And, you know, I just saw something that said Joe Biden's uh, pushing for a $775 billion uh, defense budget for the next year so. You know, um, the U.S. knows where its bread is buttered. And as long as they keep that army strong, they're going to uh, maintain supremacy, I guess. But, yeah, it's just an interesting thing to see the markets react to the idea of Vladimir Putin and Russia um, taking over Ukraine, which, you know, seems like something that wouldn't really affect the rest of the world like that but everybody wants to get involved so you know the uh, financial markets are reacting uh justly
2: yeah i don't know if their economic influence is like big enough to affect us. it would affect that region of the world you know it would more likely just influence everyone in that side of the world to adopt it and use it more yeah uh well the
5: interesting thing initially russia was actually against uh, crypto and and trying to ban it. So I think this is another example actually uh, of another country, a very large country actually, trying Mm -hmm. to take a stance against Bitcoin and then has then later on capitulated because they see that this is not going anywhere and basically it's like if you can't beat them, join them. That's why I've been saying crypto at this point has a get down or lay down mentality. Where it's you're going to either try to be a part of it, or you're going to get moved out the way, because uh, you know your results are are not good enough. I'm not sure if you guys saw that meme going around today, where uh, the guy who was what the uh, head chief investment officer of <clears throat> Berkshire Hathaway, Charlie Munger.
2: Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah, yeah.
5: And so this guy was extremely anti-Bitcoin, anti-crypto. I think uh, he even said, you know, thank God that I didn't invest in crypto. And then you look at, you know, the, <laughs> and, and, right? And then you look at the actual performance and then you're like, okay, so basically, and I'm just going to pull this up right here verbatim. So in the last five years, Berkshire Hathaway stock, which is one of the better performing stocks in the stock market, is up 87%. Meanwhile, Ethereum was actually up 23,000%. In that same time, Bitcoin's up actually 4,000% in that same five-year stance.
2: And in 2018, Warren, your boy Warren Buffett, called that shit a rat poison. And what was it? A few days ago, he just invested like a billion dollars into some bank in Brazil called New Bank, which is a bank that caters specifically to crypto and took his money out of, I forgot which banks, but also visa, uh, and some other processing, uh, companies, uh, banks, and yeah, put it into this bank in Brazil. That's a crypto basically bank. Yeah. I think it was, um,
1: Visa, MasterCard. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah,
2: he's, you you know, they, that whole click right there, they're, they're turning over. Was Mm -hmm. it JP Morgan made their metaverse lounge? The number one, uh, you know, haters. JP Morgan's been trying to fucking, you know, call us a scam since the beginning. And they, yeah, they've been for the last two years, like in the back door, kind of making deals and going in, trying not to like announce basically their capitulation. I feel also It's been the trickiest
5: thing that I've seen so far from them was, like you just said, on one end calling a scam, right? Jamie Dimon was calling a scam on, I believe it was CNBC or Bloomberg, uh, news publication. Literally at the same time, while uh, I think what was that Goldman Sachs was upstairs having um, a crypto meeting to <laughs> see how they were they were going to attack the market because they knew that they were going to attack the market, and so it's one of those situations where it's you know do what they are doing, not what they're telling you. Yeah.
2: No. yeah yeah and after this fucking weekend, it's a perfect example, like you think after this last weekend, what was it every break, maybe one break didn't have a crypto commercial. I think it was one break. I looked for it yeah. they're gonna
3: and it wasn't like the overt like oh buy crypto it's like very like subtle, shilling
6: mm-hmm. yeah. it
2: was very huh? yeah, everything was palatable it wasn't i was I wasn't cringing from any of that shit. And then this week, I didn't even think about that until we we're just talking about it now. This week makes perfect sense what we've seen. Uh, what was it? There's now a bill, a stable stablecoin bill that sounds pretty reasonable. I just heard about like the other day. Uh, there's a few of them coming through. It seems like uh, our Congress is starting to realize like they can't fucking beat it, and they're going to the fucking join it. I think they already realized that. They just been trying to uh,
5: put the liquors really on the, the shelves, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, And I was going to say, actually, for, for the community, you know, or for the crowd, it actually might be a good uh, a good idea to explain to them what a stable coin actually is. I'll let you guys kind of take the lead on that because you kind of let me know um, about a stable coin and shit. Actually, in my own personal transaction, uh, I believe like two or three weeks ago, utilizing a stable coin would have saved me almost 11, 12 percent. Um, in this one particular transaction that I'm thinking about. And yeah. when you're talking about, you know, fifteen twenty dollars 20000 dollars increments, um, that five, six percent, ten percent adds up.
2: That's a lot of money. Yes. So sir. yeah.
5: So can you can you guys explain what a stable coin actually is to the crowd? Right. Go ahead.
2: I don't want to go into a black hole. <laughs> well,
3: well, I would. Feel like a hypocrite because i don't even stable out so uh, that's true you don't even don't sell be- shit.
2: you don't even sell nothing you got a first sale this week in out, six so. months all right so a stable coin is a everyone actually has texted me about this like yo what is this usdc usdt coin why is it one dollar it's probably going to go up it's cheaper right that's one dollar because it's supposed to be one dollar we have it says USDC or usdt uh, there's a thousand different stable coins now but these biggest ones that everyone on the listen to this will see are those two on their coinbase on the crypto.com app and these are pegged to the dollar amount the dollar peg so these are supposed to always represent a dollar you can redeem them for usd digitally on your apps for those dollars uh as of the last year a few companies are t- trying to utilize them for as dollars uh, instead of you cashing out You can yeah of course just buy stable coins i've bought stable coins and then traded them for crypto but these basically are uh, a way to onboard the rest of the world in my opinion onto crypto uh usd coins or stable coins are used all across the world uh that don't use the dollar at all in the crypto business usd is you know the most in the world is the most uh, liquid asset and most used asset and there's people in afghanistan or people in india who probably have thousands of usdc and usd and have less of their you know native currency because it's you can swap it on with any coin on any chain these days with defi stuff and you're doing all these weird little things to talk about with staking uh, you could stake stable coins on coinbase and not be exposed to crypto you know vol- volatility and still earn apy with these stable coins uh for like the last year or two there's been a big uh fight between congress and the crypto market and Facebook and uh just uh you know Democrats really don't like stable coins there's been a lot of fighting uh, infighting between what's going to happen when uh crypto becomes adopted or used and everyone wants to you know have their money in uh this digital shit and yeah. you, the US needs to have a needs to have their fucking hands needs to have a, a good fucking hand in this pot because you know if we don't, like we said earlier, Russia or China, blah, 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 all these other people will have their stable points. China already has a CBDC, a central, what is it called? Central fucking bank. They have a stable coin in China already that's digitally you know, native and they passed it out as an airdrop. Uh, so it's, it's, stable coins are going to be the next, you know, the money. We don't even touch money right now. Uh, we haven't touched money in the last two years for sure most of the places over here on the west side don't even use fucking cash uh and it only makes sense for us to use these stable coins in the future i think and there's another thing mike uh, i know it's kind of deep but you there's no bear market because we have stable coins now right. like when you had to cash out three years ago we had to sell everything into usd and cash out like you can't be there ready with dry powder to buy the dip quote unquote. Like. It, the stable coins make it so that yeah i'm going to sell my coins right now earlier but i can buy back whenever i want quicker than everyone else is using their apps or having to go buy with cash it makes the it's the bridge to you know the real world and the digital world in my opinion but uh, yeah they're just a sorry i went deep again black hole but this is a dollar peg coin yeah no
1: it's, it's equivalent to a dollar and just uh cbdc is central bank digital currency
2: just so everybody knows. thank you yes um, and there's stable coins that aren't uh, to our dollar amount, that aren't pegged to our dollar. There's stable coins that people are making in the DeFi world. There's, you know, stable coins pegged to something that's worth something like gold, like those gold and silver notes that you uh, deal with.
5: And the interesting part for me is like, I think you said something that was very important is that now, with you know, the, the advent of stable coins, it now shortens the bear market. And I think that's something that we've been talking about for a very long time is that, you know, with comes along institutional adoption, it's gonna also bring a whole another set of investors and also eyeballs, regulators as well. And just to touch on regulation really quickly, that's who the regulators have been going after the hardest mm-hmm. throughout this whole process are the stable coins because they are pegged to the US dollar. And that directly then compare or brings a the competition for the U S dollar and that's not good for them. So they're going to definitely try to do that first, but in reference to the uh, shortening the bear cycles, I think that's really important because like you just said, we used to see 50, 70% drops. I think even Ethereum has dropped 93% before on a few different occasions prior to this market right here. But now because we do have the stable coins because you can, move out of your you know bitcoin or your ethereum into a usdt um it like you just said it actually prevents us from having larger bear markets which ultimately is better for the space anyway so you know stable coins have been extremely useful and this kind of used kind of use my example the reason why i, I would well, i was i lost so much money in that transaction <clears throat> was because I'm cashing out or having to liquidate for taxation purposes, blah blah blah, whatever.
6: Mm-hmm. And
5: I'm watching also Ethereum uh, fucking Dip. drop like like a rocket. You know, what I mean, just I mean, literally just dipping like a rock at the same time. And so, as opposed to you know moving to a stable coin, uh, I just I left it in Ethereum while Ethereum is dropping five, six, seven percent. Mm-hmm. And so I really could have saved myself that by just moving to USDT or to a stable coin to Tether or something like that. Um, I forget about that all the time.
2: Uh, it's practice.
1: I was going to uh, bring up another aspect of uh, Super Bowl Sunday. I also wanted to comment on the commercials. Um, shout out to the homie Calmatic who directed the LeBron James commercial for Crypto.com. Um, the only one I missed. We got to get him on the That's pod. The I, but, yeah, but yeah. Um, and Dorado, you know,
3: quick, that wrote it. Dorado wrote it. Wrote oh, okay.
1: To, yeah. We'll have to get both of them on the pod one day. Um, it's funny because uh, I've had a few conversations with Calmatic about uh, crypto and NFTs. So it'll be interesting to hear his perspective. But you know, I thought it was uh cool, kind of what you were saying, Chris. Like, that commercial is a crypto.com commercial, but it doesn't feel like one, you know. They didn't push crypto, you know, like super hard, they weren't shilling super hard in that commercial. Um, and you know, we got the Dr. Dre and um Snoop Dogg and Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, and Mary J. Blige, and 50 Cent performance but there were no apes which after thinking about it yeah after thinking about it i was like it's actually glad that they didn't do that it didn't really have a place in that platform and what they were doing at all
2: and after what we talked about last week for able if if m ape was on the stage with, <laughs> yeah after what we talked about last week yeah or the, yeah. all the the accusations yeah
1: yeah yeah right right and so he he, he went the other way he took a knee <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was <laughs> to show his problems. energy.
1: Um, but yeah, so Snoop Dogg, uh, over the last week or so, purchased Death Row Records in some form or fashion. It was that morning, the
2: announcement, dude. Yeah. I think the announcement was Sunday morning when I heard that. I was like, what the fuck?
3: Yes.
1: The rights,
3: he owns the rights, not any of the catalog. Yeah, so he
1: doesn't own the Bat catalog, um, the publishing or anything for that, I don't know who's in possession of that currently. Um, I wonder how much of that Dr. Dre owns or if he owns any of his old you know, masters from that period. Because I know he sold a lot or sold it all to get out of the deal with Suge. Um, but Snoop has said that Death Row is now going to be the first NFT label. I'm not really sure what that means.
5: Um, what did that even mean that was my <laughs> question like <laughs> yeah. what one knows the what fuck does that, that even mean yeah. there's
2: apparently already a bunch so if there's already a bunch quote unquote so if his is the first one to actually i guess go no idea, yeah, some is. play i don't fucking know <laughs> what have, that means
3: i have no idea but i don't know it's not off topic but i did that chris sent that um podcast that all stars coin Destiny. oh yeah yeah with Listening dame to dame dollar yeah. dame, dame dollar <laughs> dame <laughs> Dash, dame <laughs> and he was talking about something pretty interesting that i don't know if like he he implemented it or not but it, it was seeming like he was leaning towards fractionalizing his his stake State? in yeah. in the in Rockefeller Records that he's still mm. on. He still has like, I, I, because because look, so his issue was like niggas have a problem or like he's getting a lot of feedback and, and kind of like pushback. He's trying to sell it. Mm-hmm. And I guess they've been kind of like devaluing the, the catalog by not like pushing it, like oh right, right. Um, We know who they is, you know? (laughs) We don't want to start that type of smoke (laughs) The the, the Illuminati. Yeah, so so he was talking about NFTs, and it seemed like he was, like, leaning toward, well, shit, if, like, if I can't go, if I can't step into, like, a label or a distribution company and they, they give me, like, the value of this, like, I'll put it out to the people and mm-hmm. fractionalize it. And like, Chris Kit Own can buy an NFT that is point zero one uh, like re- the reasonable Dow royalty or some shit like from Dame's side. So, I, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know, know how they. He, he wasn't explicitly talking. Yeah. You know, he didn't explicitly say that, yeah. but I was thinking about that because yeah, yeah. he could technically do that right
1: yeah i don't and, i don't i don't see how like they're gonna make that easy contractually Yeah, and i don't see on the other side how he's gonna make that fly uh you know as as a salesman because it sounds i don't say desperate but it's like it's not like you're not promoting any new art, you know what I'm saying? You're not promoting anything that is a fresh take on anything, and then it's so much legalese and paperwork involved that it seems like I don't know, it's just a long way from. I don't know if like it that, is. I, I
3: mean, if a person if a person owns a third equity in something, they can do whatever they want with their third. Uh-huh. Technically. I mean, I mean, yeah, technically. technically so right, you're, if you guys you're, so you're make, saying that he can.
1: You're saying that he could make a JPEG that represents
3: his third. Yeah, uh, a, per, a fractionalized yeah, the, share, share of yeah, share yeah. of his third. If they're yeah. not, if they're not willing to give him the market value of what it is, mm-hmm. because of you know their, and then redetermine the value. It mm-hmm. Yeah. That and, that and he didn't he wasn't explicitly saying that but he was kind of like, seems like yeah that's what yeah. he was trying to get to yeah because yeah lying. it sounds
2: like also he went through a bunch of uh, trying to mint stuff already like hmm. one of you know things that aren't fractionalized yeah. and that he got you know ran around so he kept talking about getting scammed and people on the internet uh so it sounds like what happens again, when we talk about with the artists from the first episode, like when they make these projects, they usually end up not doing shit because of yeah. cash grabs. Yeah. And that's usually because the people who help these artists, because artists, again, with same with the label shit, they don't know shit about this market either. And, you know, some guys are just going to upcharge them and get the money and dip and they don't care about, you know, they care about the money a little bit more than the art. Yeah. Most of the artists doing this right now, uh, but I think like be, one you
1: know, of the one of the biggest issues is that like there's not um understanding understanding or like a definite store that people all agree on this is the store if you put just or even buyer.
2: I mean just the right like you guys are saying there's no definite like every time someone wants to talk about NFTs and music with me I tell them it's the I know that will be the one of the biggest use cases but right now we can't figure out how to Facilitate or organize everything, or make things clear enough between the label and the uh, the copyright or the ownership yeah. and license, like and the distribution, like all of that shit. Yeah, like at, oh, I think yeah. Right, right now most artists have to kind of give up some of the money that they could get uh, in a you know a benevolent way because this is so new. Like you can't. You can't like if someone owns the NFT of your song, they can still play it or it can be played anywhere. Just like everyone makes fun of the copy paste thing. That's the point, but the cloud of owning the song or the licensing of maybe making videos off of it or there's shit, uh, there's special, um, you know, benefits for owning that license, you know, for in the future, it's hard to define all that. That's why the art thing is a little bit easier because it's all one of one and you can't, you know, you can copy and paste it and that's it. But there's a clear pathway to how and what and the code and all that shit. Like music is a lot harder to fucking, def- to, to, to yeah, yeah, to fence up. You're fencing up mute Like that's the thing because it's music. It's just, it's, it's going to take another 10 years for that. I think to really. Figure yeah. Out.
1: I think there's a, there's a way where it's like, there's, A hundred thousand one of one little Wayne albums, you know what I'm saying? And like people just buy those hundred thousand, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's kind of like a simple way for this to be done, and nobody has really attempted it yet, like no major artist. Um it's a great
2: thing. That's the simple part. It's are you willing to give up. Yeah. Give up that, that potential money that right. you can see or might be there or might come up a hundred you know 20 years later. Right. Which is literally been happening right now. It's
5: Snoop yeah. at the airdrop this week, actually, guys on on Gallup I'm not sure if you guys saw that. No. Snoop yeah. Snoop stash box dropped. Yeah, I want to so. say on uh Tuesday. Yeah. A few of the homies received uh, uh airdrop actually. With uh, yeah, yeah, and so what I was thinking, my response when I first heard that and that Death Row was going uh, to be the first NFT label, I mean, I kind of kind of echo like what you guys were saying. It's like, how are we going to do this? But then I also kind of thought, then maybe this is a lot simpler than what we're just imagining. You know, if if a, a piece of art is a one of one, then definitely a song is a piece of art that's a one of one. And there has to be a way to package this and then also to resell it to where you're still selling that one song, which is a one of one to millions of people. Um, the interesting thing for me is that knowing uh, that you know, Snoop's involvement in this space right now is very, very interesting because I feel like his son, from what I know and I, what I understand, it's actually his son. Uh, I believe his oldest son. I can't. So I'm not sure if it's Corday or Cordell, who is really the person, um, kind of directing or navigating uh, Snoop through this space. And so it seems as if he's being led through this space as well. But again, it's just like, what does that really entail? I don't know. Um, these are, you know, where are we going to sell the artwork or create the label artwork as one of ones? Who knows? But I think like we were saying the last, last previous episodes, all the NFT is anyway, is just a, a barcode, a digital right. barcode. Okay. Right. And that can be placed on anything. Yep. Slip. Yeah. A song, a poster, uh, whatever. And so, you know, to digitize that and to then to sell it. I mean, it's not really to me, you know, that rocket science.
2: It's you not. Know? It's just the greed comes in. That's that's what it is. Can you. Let go of all right, well, I sold it, I got fucking however many millions of ETH. I'm getting some royalties from the sales of, but you know, how many people are gonna to, want to buy the NFT in a year later when the song has been played out and you already heard it without having to buy it and you saw the secret video that was unlocked because of the ownership, because everyone can just copy and pick you know, can rip it but and share sure. it. But I think so. That's the thing. It's that's the really the issue. I think it's just: are these artists or are these you know uh, agencies going to be down to like, all right, well, you know, they're playing my songs still so 100 years later, and my kids might might not get being paid for that. But right, but I, I
4: would- for that play,
2: but they might be getting paid for the trade of it.
4: What's going on, guys? You know what it is. New year, new you. I get it. I, 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 we all got it. We all have our New Year's resolutions. One of them is to eat better right you want to eat good food but you also want to spend an arm and a leg and guess what hello fresh can help you with that they have endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable here's the deal hello fresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door including far fresh produce that arrives within a week so you get convenience without skimping on quality the trip to the grocery store, saving you those weight and those long lines. Where these people don't know how to use a checkout thing. It drives me insane. So I know what you're thinking. So what well, me? I could just go to a restaurant. Guess what? HelloFresh, 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. You could save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to put towards those 2022 goals of yours. That's right. Whatever it is you're trying to do with that extra money, I don't care. Maybe you open a savings account. Maybe your your New Year's resolution is to save more money. HelloFresh helps you with that as well. I know going out to a restaurant, as I said, is inconvenient. Particularly, I got a big family, man. It's hard to get the kids in the car and go down. No, 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 no. We to do HelloFresh at the house. They sent it to my house. We had all types of meals. The, these meals are easy to make. They're delicious. My kids love the pub style shepherd's pie. They also love the Bravo balsamic chicken, the sun dried tomato spaghetti. The list goes on and on. Get you some HelloFresh. It's delicious. It is affordable. And it is convenient. So this is what I want you to do. Go to HelloFresh.com slash BOM16 and use the code BOM16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Again, HelloFresh.com slash BOM16 and get up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. The promo code is BOM16. One six. Hello, Fresh. America's number one meal.
6: Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite Butcher Turn Podcast producer, and I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep out of the picture you are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than butcher box so sign up at butcherbox.com dings d-i-n-g-s and get our special deal ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional twenty dollars off you can choose salmon chicken breast or steak tips free in every order for a year sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings d-i-n-g-s to choose your free for a year offer plus get twenty dollars off your first order
1: i look at it like mike is saying with the barcode thing and artists have been releasing cds and everything with barcodes and getting the tiniest smallest fraction of of that And so there should be, it should not be that hard for them to figure out how to release this that doesn't create a physical product. So you could create it yourself or have your graphic designer make you a single cover and drop it or album cover or whatever, drop it. Um, But I think the biggest chasm is between the people who understand NFTs and smart contracts and coding and all that stuff. And the people, the artists and the people who represent them, you know, um, It's funny because like, I usually don't fuck with the concept of like having all these managers and agents and lawyers and all that stuff, but you kind of see like most people are specialists, especially when it comes to entertainment and this person doesn't know anything about accounting and this person doesn't know how to book the tour, this person, you know what I'm saying? So I think a lot of these people, most of these people don't really understand NFTs or how to integrate what they're doing or what they've been doing into, you know, what the space is becoming. I think it's just a lot of ignorance um, on the part of people who traditionally have fought change every time it's come. So, you know, I, I feel the same way about film and stuff as well. Like I wanna, uh, I've been saying like, I'm gonna release uh, some music videos as NFTs. I saw one that Nolan had, sent me a while ago and it was like, it sold for like 11 ETH or something like that. And, you know, I don't know if the guy's manager or whatever people, you know, associated with them were the ones bidding on it or bought it, but and they were pretty popular artists. But I'm saying that to say like, there will be a time soon where, you know, film NFTs
2: are gonna be a thing as well. And all, all media. Um, I think those will be a thing. I agree. I do think yeah. the film, the visual stuff is I think the visual stuff is always going to be easier to market and yeah. figure out also. Yeah. I, I think that the, the state of like what music literally is, is makes it, that's why, that's why I feel like, and there's a lot more greed I feel like in the music business in general. So it's going to be from both sides, like the artists deserve the money and then later on they want to get it and they don't realize cause they got fucked over. And also like the agencies and the managers, you know, no. know that there's money, Uh, you know, that could be coming to their pockets for the next few years, and so it's
6: music. Someone's gonna have to
3: give up. Music is the industry that's actually like closest to actually being or like closest to like the adoption of cryptocurrency by way of like they already deal with metadata and Mm -hmm. royalties through metadata, and that is an NFT. A song is already an NFT. Like to right. Chris's point, they're just the greediest motherfuckers and they know how much you know, it's like it's all about, you know, fighting for the equity and in, in in the art. You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's so many un unclaimed royalties on music because of like they don't know how to they, they're directing or it's the, the royalty is not being directed to anyone. And that's yeah. just pure metadata, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, so it's like it, it makes the most sense for music, but it's too messy. They're already too messy. Yeah. You know what I'm it saying? does make the most like sense. It, like with physical art, there ain't no, there has, there's never been royalties.
1: Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um
5: for, but for I, me it was game changing, especially for artists. And that's the, you know, like that is the only thing that I do like about NFTs. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is that royalty token or that royalty aspect? That's why I tell Being all my musician friends.
2: That's why, that's why I tell everyone who makes music. I'm like, bro, this is going to be the future for you. But I don't know. But <laughs> the right. roadmap is yeah. so more. Mur- it's so it's so much more murky. Right. It's yeah.
3: not if you're
5: independent. Not if you trailblazing. No, and, and, oh, and, and that's yeah. the thing where, where yeah. it's like, as a business person, that's it's going to be very interesting to see because let's keep in mind also who you know, and we're just still using Snoop as an example here, but let's keep in mind who he learned business from, right? And so this is like, actually, if, if it were to be done the correct way, it actually should be more empowering to the actual artist. You knowing exactly where all your royalties go, that you knowing exactly how much of a fractionalized part of ownership that you have for this label. It should be right there, extremely transparent for you, and that, to me, if you ask me, that's the reason why they're not going to do this. Uh, and they, I mean, the larger labels, because they do not want you knowing exactly how much you're receiving, or how many spend that you've, you know, accumulated, or you know, like th- This actually hurts them. So it's going to be interesting to see how he translates uh, his business practices uh, into the digital asset space.
1: Well, I think the labels are going to just create collections for artists and decide to split themselves and have that be a part of the contract. And so it's like, yeah, right. when your album comes out, we're gonna we're gonna make the NFTs for you, and you know, uh, it's gonna be all part of the rollout and all. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to dictate the terms as they normally do.
5: Um, and that's the thing, though, Jason. We know from you know inside out that those terms being dictated by them also allows them to tell you what you're making off the royalties. Right. And that's the issue, right? Is us not believing and that's supposed to be what blockchain technology is all about is me not needing to believe you. Right. Right.
3: It just being on chain Well, the whole thing is like, it's all public anyway. So,
5: you know, exactly. You audit it whenever you want to audit it.
3: And, and
4: so, of
5: all businesses, let's just think about this. Who would not want to have a public audit? <laughs> right. Music right. Right.
3: business yeah. for sure. Right. Money laundering, sketchy motherfuckers through <laughs> budgets. Right. All the, you know, it's like they're the filthiest fucking pigs ever.
5: And so, we're talking about someone who learned business from the probably top two, top three. Hip hop, filthiest pigs of all time being Suge Knight. Right. This is the person that Shug was given.
3: Suge Knight, was with, Knight well, who did he learn from? Jimmy. I- 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 yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yo, I want to make sure we get sponsors so, so we can. <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah, shout out to uh, <laughs> Apple. Kidding, kidding. Apple. Shout out to um, Sony, yeah. Apple, uh, was it Google. Google. .com, Cash App? Yeah. Really NFL, um, uh, oh, yeah.
1: RCA, 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 the RIAA, <laughs> um, yeah. Billboard, all of them. But uh, I was gonna ask you guys so, uh, I watched this documentary last night. Have you guys heard
2: of Carl Icahn? Yep, it's on my feed, I haven't clicked it yet. I saw Billionaire or something, and I was like, I don't have a lot of money yet, I can't watch. <laughs>
5: Well, he, he's, he's interesting to me. The, the the interesting thing about these guys who they love to kind of uh, tout up as, you know, Wall Street poster boys. Yeah, the wins are cool. And, you know, we're supposed to win. Obviously, he's won before. But we all know how dirty of a game this, you know, Wall Street is anyway. So I'm not necessarily fascinated with the wins as much as I am with the losses. What did he and do? Carl, Carl Icon has some very interesting losses is what I would say. Yeah, like he'll, he'll win got, type he's got losses. Some, he's got some
1: interesting wins and losses, but I I, I guess what I was going to say I mean, I, I thought the documentary was really cool be, for one, because uh, Gordon Gecko, part of his character, is, is based off Carl Icon, which I didn't know. And just me learning about people who are like really big figures in American culture that I had no idea about is always like, it. It feels like it gives me a reason to live because I'm like, oh, shit, there's so much shit that I don't even know about shit. I think I know a lot about, you know, and um, and yeah, so he, you know, he did a lot of shit. But the thing I was going to say was the most interesting to me was the fact that his son is actually a trader now and he's actually a really good trader. And he put his dad onto some of his biggest plays later in life. Netflix being one of them. I think Apple was another one um and they and in the documentary they explain things that i've had questions about for a while um that are pretty simple as far in terms of finance and that's why i kind of like i even tweeted like hey i don't you know i'm still new to this because it's like they're talking about buybacks and like a lot of mm-hmm. other like um and it's funny because i watch uh succession and and on the Succession podcast I do, we're talking about the proxy fight that they had. And I w- even in that, I was like, I don't really understand what a proxy fight is. They explained it on uh, the Icon documentary. Um, and, you know, obviously... What is a proxy fight? Uh, basically, a proxy fight is when um, somebody like Carl Icahn, who is outside of a company, becomes uh, a large shareholder in a company and... Okay. Um, basically, wants to dictate the terms of what the company is doing um, more so than whoever is in place at the moment, whether that's the CEO. Like that guy in succession, like exactly, that, like the exactly.
2: like the dude from the last season. That was his yeah, name, exactly. The vampire guy. You right,
1: know. right. Yep, Stewie. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so, so yeah. So that apparently is like a very common thing, which I had no idea, and that's a lot of what Carl Icahn did was. He would buy up a large position in these companies, get on their board of directors, and then start dictating the terms of what the company did. And you know that's how he made a lot of money. Either the company was undervalued, or you know he tore it apart, or whatever. But um, yeah, Mike, what what is some of the losses that you
2: wanted to point out? Wait, hold on. Before that, before we get to the losses, uh-huh. that's why you don't hear about Dow's as much in the last few months. Who? DAOs. So oh. all of these DeFi tokens, uh-huh. a lot of them were, the tokens were governance tokens, mm-hmm. like your boy, what's his name? I don't, what's his name? What's this guy's name? From the show? Oh, Jesse? From the documentary. Oh, Carl, Carl Icahn. Icon. So yeah. Carl Icahn, he basically was gathering governance. You know, he's scooping all, all these shares, which is governance, and that pro- and crypto, it's, you grab the token, the tokens usually for DeFi stuff, they give you uh, higher weight in votes because it's one-to-one vote. One token, equals one vote. And the more tokens that vote per vote in these uh, uh, protocol votes, like we want to add more APY or we want to collab with this other token or we want to, you know, make it so the treasury is uh, t- obtainable and we can sell all the tokens. Like that's what he was doing. He grabs the governance for the, he grabs all the tokens and he votes to say I want to sell all this shit. It's all trash. Or we should all put more money into it. It's all, you know, it's worth to do something. So in DAOs, uh, they became unpopular in the last you know, like three to four months because a lot of whales, a lot of VCs, a lot of dudes who are in crypto who have money or just assholes would buy up all the tokens and make a vote that's not really you know beneficial to the protocol or to the general public, but beneficial to their pockets or to the, the whales or to people with money. Uh, and so recently there's been a That's another reason why I think the DeFi tokens died out too. They're all made to vote. And like the owners of FTX would get tokens onto get tokens from Ethereum, which they hate, and they'd make sure all these protocols would get dumped on and sell all the shit and then put all the money back onto Solana chain or whatever. It's yeah, it's so that's the thing. We do the same shit in crypto. We have to do the same shit
5: right now to make it, you know, massively or make the adoption you know easier. So I'm reading right here, y'all. Business, Carl Icahn's forty billion dollar missed opportunity. Uh, Again, the wins are important. The losses for me are just as important, or the misses. Let's just the misses are the worst, right? And this is, and he was actually already in position. They're referring to he took a very large position at Apple, 2013, Um, Um, and then after you know he saw essentially the guy has fucking paper hands so they saw a little slip in price he then exits all his position in apple in 2016 that position currently is worth 40 billion dollars more yeah than what he would have been if he just would have left it in there yeah right and so you know again It's interesting, the the guy actually apparently uh, was also the inspiration behind the character uh, in Wall Street 2, Money Never Sleeps, Uh, Shia LaBeouf's boss and mentor. Oh, right, right, Josh Brolin's character, yeah, I can't think of his name. Right, Right, right. No, 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 not, not John. Oh, Cohen. oh, oh, uh, yeah. I know
1: you're talking about the old guy. The old guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The one that... Yeah. Was,
5: uh, and I mean, even down to the photo, if you pull up Carl Icon, Yeah, yeah, no, he looks, looks like,
1: like him. Yeah, he looks like him. Yeah, he yeah.
5: looks like that actor. Yeah. And so the, the missus are, are funny for me. Um, they keep calling him an activist, uh, a billionaire activist as well. I'm not yeah. necessarily sure, I've never met a
2: billionaire. I've never heard of a billionaire activist still. Well, it's funny yeah, because sure. you're not a billionaire if you're an activist, bro. You...
1: <laughs> well yeah they it's funny so they've they've uh, they've been portraying that on billions this season um with the new guy who replaced uh daniel lewis's character axe this guy's mike prince is the new uh head honcho of the show and he's supposed to be an activist billionaire and that's supposed to be you know like the new hip thing that i guess that we're supposed to all know about yeah chambas right right and um, so they're at the end of the documentary. So, you know, it's funny because it's like they show all this opulence and all this stuff throughout the documentary of, you know, Carl Icahn, like and he doesn't live like crazy, crazy. But, you know, everything is a, a mansion, servants, uh, you know, 16th century paintings and so on and so forth. Um, but at the end, he's on his yacht and the, and Bill Gates is describing uh I forget what it's called. I should have it pulled up, but its the, I think it's called the Giving Pledge. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 So the Giving Pledge is an interesting thing for us to kind of uh, talk about. So uh, basically, it's a campaign to encourage extremely wealthy people to contribute a majority of their wealth to philanthropic causes. Uh, and it says here, as of January of 2021, the pledge has 231 signatories. From 28 countries, so uh, the idea is that a lot of these billionaires are planning to, um, you know, leave or give a lot of their wealth while they're still alive um, to these philanthrop- philanthropic causes, yeah. and um, you know, it's interesting what falls under that purview. You know, um, it mm-hmm. could be a building at Princeton. It can be, <laughs> you know, because that, that's some of the stuff they show. You know, and whenever, yeah, yeah. Like this, that's that's philanthropy. You know, like it's, it's not. crazy, You know, yeah. some of it, I because I rec- I looked up. You know, uh, Carl Icahn after I watched it. Some of it is. You know, he he has like these homeless shelters and stuff like that. Um. So some of it is like directly to, you know, helping the poor, but. Yeah, it's just interesting because, for a organization that's basically built to handle billions and billions of dollars, I mean, literally, if it's two hundred and thirty-one billionaires giving over half their wealth, I mean, I don't even know what that number is. Um, what like, they can't be giving it all to purely philanthropic cause Google
2: the taxes on that share you can get up to 60% yeah back so you know right right I'm guessing so, Princeton you'll get like what 40% percent you know give it to poor people you get 60 that's a smart that's they're buybacking themselves yeah that's right. a buyback right there
5: right and then and then you're investing in all institutions that your family can then in the future utilize as well. Yeah, no, that
1: was why I brought the Princeton thing up, because it's like, oh, it's a philanthropic gesture, but it's like, really, I'm just enriching this. uh, So whenever my granddaughter
2: needs to go to Princeton, like you'll go to the building name after me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, when my granddaughter gets caught calling people the N-word on the street, you're like, well, we fed a bunch of N-words on the street. Like, well, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you (laughs) know.
5: yeah that's uh, yeah that's smart all right before i forget here bros uh oh
2: yeah that's porn
5: well not not yet not yet but no i was gonna say so back to our our guy uh carl or i interesting thing also another paper-handed move was with uh and i actually even agree with this move but it was with uh herbalife uh our our favorite hood uh multi-level marketing scam
1: well well not to cut you off mike but definitely watch the documentary because that's the most interesting part of the documentary okay. and okay. And, okay. And, about I, and i and i assume that the reason for his position is explained in the documentary but it was really okay. it was personal it wasn't he had a beef with with, with bill Ackman. No, he's just trying to. He's just trying yeah. to just fuck so, him up. So, yeah. so you're right,
5: and, and by the way, to you know full disclosure, I've actually agreed with Ackman's position on Herbalife since the beginning. Yeah. This to and me is a, a scam. That's a Ponzi scam. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. This is a scam that you like. I can't go purchase Herbalife directly from someone. I have to buy a membership. Yeah. And then they then have like from someone and then join a club. And it's like, well, this kind of sounds like a multi level marketing scam or a Ponzi. It was well, great yeah, for
2: getting Girls that you liked in high school to DM you though. That's your fire. <laughs> so five, five, three to five years. It was like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, oh, Cutco. Cut. That's the next one too. Yeah. Was, call, yeah. All yeah. these chicks from high school. I was like, oh, you're cute. All of a sudden, DM you, you know, I want to come over to talk to you about. I was like, oh, scam me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so the
3: uh, so, <laughs>
1: so what happened, or at least how I described it in the film, was uh, Achman, Bill Ackman is an investor as well. Him and Carl Icahn did a deal in the past, and I think there was some, uh, some kind of legal situation, um, with the contract, and you know, Carl ended up having to pay Ackman A settlement of some sort that he felt was unjust and that the contract was worded tricky and so basically he had beef with him after they had done this deal together that you know didn't go in his favor so achman took a short position on herbalife because of what mike said and basically he was announcing to the world hey guys herbalife is a ponzi scheme like if you guys don't know and the stock started going down. And he basically had a billion dollar short position, and so to oh, get him back, I kind of right. was like, "I'm going to buy the stock," right. <laughs> and, and you know,
2: like he squeezed himself <laughs> out of a sh- yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. fuck, fuck your short position,
1: them. and and I'm going to say it's not a Ponzi scam, and you know people should
2: fuck with Herbalife, and fuck you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's so, the perfect Ponzi, bro. He bought back his own. He Man, he was the top of the really pyramid. Actually. He was the Man, top that's... of the pyramid, and he still had right. to go to put in the bottom blocks. Yeah, but that should turn into yeah. a diamond
5: for a second. That's fire. So yeah. that's okay. actually a pretty brilliant move. My hat goes off to that guy. Yeah, that's really smart. Holy I mean, that's what
2: happened with um. I'm sure, I know like Mike and Mike have heard of time. It was on. there was kind of buzz. It was a. There's a coin that was a Ponzi. I mean, a lot of these coins are Ponzi's that we that are defi. But there was one that was a legit Ponzi and the dude, this guy named Daniel, who's like a known developer, has made a bunch of coins that are all flops. The homie bought back his coin like three different times. The first time he bought back the coin and sold it to dump on the people, you know, to dump on the, all of the, all of us basically. And then the third or fourth time he had to buy it back because he was threatened and, you know, he actually fucked the market and blah, blah, blah. It didn't even matter the second or third, third time. That's really funny though. I've seen that
5: before. That's super smart. It's brilliant, actually, man. Yes. It really is.
2: Like, yeah, he even incorporated his other shit coins that like died into the the last one, the last
5: ones to pay back himself from getting paid to yeah. pay back to pay back the other person.
2: It's like human centipede.
5: And that's the thing, like, you know, and what are the losses that we're talking about in this conversation. I mean, to have a billion dollars short. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry <laughs> i mean we're to, to lose about money and like you gotta understand these are all ego plays yeah you know and so we're basically watching two guys battle and this is the way that when you're in this space and you have this amount of capital you can't go to war how you used to so this is you go to war through financial means and so they were trying to ruin each other financially you know through, through this one company it's actually pretty cool in, in a weird way actually it's a, it's a very ego-maniacally twisted, you know, my, uh, ego-driven uh, position, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing to watch
2: and also depressing. Yeah,
1: you guys got to check it, check out the documentary. It's, it's interesting yeah, I'm going to. For that and a few more other nuggets that are in there. Um, yeah, Mike, you were bringing up Lost Porn. What did you have a? particular well yeah
5: i mean for one you were talking about nfts and i definitely thought that i i appreciated the one that you actually put out your lost porn yeah nft for those who haven't seen that go check that out and uh you know it, it people like hearing about uh, losses it also wins but i just wanted to focus on some of the larger losses mm. that have occurred in this group actually um, I'll, let's start with, with, with Rese actually, or some of the, the larger losses that you've endured in this space. uh losses.
3: Uh, um, I would, I would definitely, it definitely goes back to my shit coin leverage kind of plays with Mr. Oof. Jason Patterson. Mm. Uh, the next, we were, I, I was, was that, all, all was all that cool. really,
1: that was your biggest losses? Cause that wasn't really that much.
3: Well, I lost my whole portfolio on that last Fuck. Year. What do you mean? Being, I was over leveraged in Nexo because I was borrowing against my portfolio. Mm-hmm. And the market dropped. Right. So they liquidated pretty much like 20. Listen to this,
2: everyone. Listen, to, 15, you heard that you can borrow 000. money. Yeah. yeah. But right. listen to what
3: happened. About fifteen, twenty thousand, 20,000, like. Okay, God. I didn't yeah, I didn't but then, know. But then it wasn't like I was going to and this I was just talking to Chris about this at lunch. About there's a different mindset, the investor mindset and the and the gambling mindset. Right. I was gambling, we were gambling. So right. I, I was borrowing against my assets and then going to gamble with other shit, like with you and shit coins and like yeah, you know? Yeah. So not very smart. So I mean, I you know. I probably have lost about twenty twenty thousand dollars. Uh, in just like how long? Um, that was I mean, fuck. I mean, I don't know, a matter of like five months, right? It didn't take. when yeah. We were doing all of that. Like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Uh, I mean, I have some unrealized like. <laughs> Dang,
1: I was gonna say I would. I would have thought you would have had like a NFT
3: something that- yeah i mean i do i did you know i sold i sold a meridian art block too early so i could have so you know made about like like 20 ETH over what i sold it that would well, ask significantly more much more than twenty thousand yeah 000. that's what i'm saying like it's um, gotta because you you play that was just but that was no but but that's see a, that's like so timing terrible. you're yeah. trying to like time the market like i didn't i still wasn't at a loss It just I didn't it just hurts now Game like that the that the market eventually like presented. So like I didn't lose anything. I was still profited. Right. Um but like losses, yeah. Have you
1: have you suffered a great loss from an NFT, something that you bought high and the floor is just tanked?
3: Uh, yeah but i'm still holding (laughs) (laughs) unrealized losses as well yeah well well, the dow yeah we bought something at like eight eight ETH. Mm -hmm. we bought the top and shit i don't even think it's it hasn't recovered back it might be at like one yeah it's at one
5: at one it's at one it's almost at
3: two again but
2: I think yeah. that's a
1: little bit more than twenty thousand, but I guess it's an unrealized
3: loss. So it's a diff- that um, is a little bit more than twenty thousand, and but that was a collective investment. So I didn't realize all the all the, the losses are on you. All the uh, uh, what do they say um, it's not on, all all you. I'm not. Yeah. I would. That oh yeah, you're all not. Yeah, you're not yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not. But you know, uh, I've had some big wins too, man. So.
5: All right, all right. All right. Let's just focus on the losses for the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not, i wasn't about to say nothing about Take the win. It easy. I'm just saying like, you know, don't, don't Take, it Take, Take it easy. Take right. it easy. Uh Chris, uh, let's let uh, speak to some of your losses. All
2: right, I got categories. We got the uh leverage 60k loss last year. Woo! unrealized half and half and all of that was also realized gains profit. So it's 60K loss that, you know, technically was nothing that I got that I didn't capitalize on. We got the, which NFT should I start with a coin? We got the,
6: (laughs) (laughs) we got the uh, Rome
2: airdrop, Rome pre-sale allocation that went from, I paid a thousand. It went unrealized totally, probably like 120 I got like sixty out of it, and there was another sixty k that I didn't realize fully. Technically, uh, and, we got and, the and shit Chris, that I bought the top of. Wait, wait, wait bought, Chris.
5: Now, and just, it started. You said that was for Rome.
2: Rome. I put in a thousand. It was worth thirty when I got it. It turned into sixty. It turned in. I took profits the whole time. Turned to seventy-eight. Like I took out like forty to sixty k easily, and there was still sixty k, and I lost all that. And then there is like buying which nFT did I buy that went to no nFTs that I bought that really went to zero like that like I never really bought a high NFT but I have definitely yeah it's mostly just shit I've sold too early most of the things I've lost money on is like I'm looking at small brains right now which is another nFT project I got those for free sold them for one ETH each, each you get two of them and they're now worth 30 k total 30k total
5: yeah. Jesus.
2: So most of my, yeah, the biggest loss, you know, loss loss was trading leverage, which seems to be the biggest losses for everyone. Yeah.
5: And so we're here sharing our experiences because we don't want you guys to make the same mistakes. Obviously you are going to make some mistakes, but all we can say is try to minimize those losses. I live by a very interesting quote. Someone gave me not told me someone gave me, but, Basically, you know, any great man can go broke with three things. is liquor, leverage and ladies. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Liquor, leverage and ladies. And yeah, leverage ladies. is definitely one of the more important ones because that will take you to zero faster than you can ever imagine.
1: Well, the here two things I want to say. Um, I think and I, Correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, but I think luckily, and this is the most unfortunate luckily, luckily in crypto, to my knowledge, you can't go below zero, right? You can only play with the money you have because in the stock market, uh, the reason why some people jump out of windows is that they go below zero and they're in the negative millions or billions like uh, the Asian homie. Last year, not the homie, but like uh, Bill Wang. Yeah, Bill Wang uh, was down ten billion plus, I believe, uh, for Jesus. and his family practice and, and then in the negative, not not just lost ten billion, in owed <laughs> ten billion. Um, so Jesus. that's one thing, and then yeah, Mike, t- tell us your story.
5: Um, my losses are kind of along the same lines of like uh, some of the same ones as Mike would say. We had some NFT losses. Um, my, my I don't really take that many ga- that many gambles like that. I would say my largest losses probably actually uh, when I first entered the space and uh, 2017. I took an interesting position on XRP at $3.30 per. Mm-hmm. And I think rolled it down to 70 cents. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it pretty much wiped away like 80% of my initial investment. Yeah. And uh, that actually kicked me out of the space for almost, you know, 11 months. How, how um, much would you would you say you lost
1: on that? Transaction.
5: Oh, yeah, it was only like 10 fifteen thousand but it was just okay. more the percentage for me. I mean, if you right. get into any new investment and you then lose 70 or 80 percent of it, you right. know, that would you're make you guns back moving forward.
2: Yeah, you're yeah. never coming back usually.
5: Most people yeah. never want to come yeah. back after that. Yeah. You know. Man, and look, I have friends that were making, you know, uh five figure, you know, 15 twenty dollars investments into the space that then turned that into you know 1.4 1.7 million dollars in that same time and there i'm asking them later on because they tell me afterwards of course and i'm mm-hmm. asking them, hey man why the fuck didn't you tell me about this before then they're like man we knew how jaded you were uh just off of your initial xrp loss that we knew that you didn't want to hear anything having to do with crypto for the part." yeah and, i would say uh, like even
1: though you know um it's called investing and everybody likes to separate it from gambling. I, as a seasoned gambler and a new investor, consider them both the same. They're in the same family. They might not be brothers, but they're definitely cousins. Um, mm-hmm. If something can go from $3.30 to $0.70, that's a
2: bad bet. And as know? we see <laughs> in the market, they're like weird cousins too, because they're <laughs> still super correlated. Yeah.
5: Right. So,
2: um, I
1: think the
5: investment time horizon is probably just the main difference.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the main difference. And so um, the funny thing also about Carl Icahn and a lot of investors, um, his way into the game was through gambling. And basically, he was a smart guy who uh, was trying to pay for room and board at Princeton. And he learned how to play poker. And, you know, the first week when he didn't know how to play, the, the older guys cleaned him out. And then the next week, he learned how to play, or however long it was, and he learned how to make a killing. And I'm sure he converted that sensibility into, you know, his investment strategies. Now, I think the difference between all of investing, gambling, and earning is discipline and if you're a good gambler or a good investor that means you have discipline and i think patience is another part of it as well Um, because there are people who are smart who lose their money there are people who are dumb who make a lot of money we saw people hit off doge who didn't know shit we've seen people you know i'm saying win and lose on both sides of the equation but i think if you want to be seasoned at either thing, if you have the mathematical knowledge to, you know, understand what you're doing um, that you have to have discipline, you have to have patience. And I can say for myself and the areas in which I lost the most is when I wasn't exercising those two things. And, you know, that's just kind of like a life, thing that i know that i have to learn um to practice better and you know if i want to see my bank account reach where it was and beyond and get to the millions and the billions and it's really about just being patient and being disciplined and having the emotional uh, capacity to not
5: overreact to your wins and losses yeah i think i think this episode outlined a couple of different strategies actually or not really it's really the, the there's one commonality here, which is patience. And so, you know, if uh, if you pick good projects and then show patience and discipline, you will be rewarded in this space more than you will be rewarded in any other space for your time. Yes. Agreed. thousand percent true. Agreed. Like you can buy stable coins and
2: not buy that crypto and then when it dips because you keep thinking it's gonna dip and i keep telling you like you can just buy it now but you think it's gonna dip just buy the stable coins and you're patient enough you might you know out you might beat me probably not but (laughs) you can buy those stable coins and be patient and not lose your money and not worry about your money but be in the space too that's that's very true right
1: so yeah with that we're gonna wrap up this episode of crypto bros for Mike Rissay, Chris Epps, and Mike McGoy, I'm Jason Madison. Thank you for listening. Peace.